Show us the secrets of our life, oh God. Show us the way out. Let it flow from heaven. Understanding it, you watch and see what happens to you. A few days from now, what you have received will start being revealed to you, and you will see that this is what happened in Koinonia. Oh, 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 oh.
Are you okay? Hmm? Are you okay? You're yeah, fine. Nice. We give you praise, we give you all the glory. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for the stillness of the waters. Thank you for the spirit of truth that you have released. Thank you for the rain of glory that you have poured down upon us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise and the glory. We honor you for such a time as this in your presence. Thank you, Father. 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 Now we pray that Spirit of the living God flow like the waters of Jordan even in our midst. Flow like the rivers of Euphrates, even in our midst. Flow even in our midst, in the name of Jesus. Whatever stands in our way to stop us from walking into the fullness of your calling and purpose for our lives. Gracious Lord, have mercy upon us and take it off our way, in the name of Jesus. We come before the Lord as mortals, ready to receive the mighty hand of the immortal God. Let your mighty hand rest upon us. That hand that came upon Elisha and he said, Thus saith the Lord. That hand that lifted Elijah into the chariots. That hand that lifted the Israelites from the captivity of Pharaoh even into the promised land. That hand that opened the eyes of the blind. That hand that drew Lazarus even from the pits of death. Let that mighty hand rest upon us tonight. We come as people without knowledge ready to receive of your bosom. We pray, Lord Jesus, your word has already told us that it is lack of knowledge that your people perish. Even though they are your people, but without knowledge, they perish. We know it is not enough to be your people. Therefore, Lord, that knowledge 
that the enemy is keeping away from us that is meant to let us perish. Blessed Father, cause us to receive in the name of the Lord Jesus. We ask, O、oh、God, that you show us mercy and open the realms of the heavenlies and pour out your blessing, pour out your grace, pour out your spirit, even upon us, that at the end your name alone will be glorified. Your word is already anointed. The Bible says that the entrance of thy word giveth light and giveth understanding even unto the simple. We have come as simple men and women. With our hearts we have obeyed. Therefore, Lord, let the light of your word shine on our path, that at the end we will not miss our providential way. We give you glory, even for tonight, in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Wow. I'm so excited to have all of you here. It's been a long time we met.、Um, I had to travel to handle some few things. That's why.、Um, We've not met. But we bless God that we are here this night to encounter God. God bless you, my son, that kept praise. May my God honor you in the name of Jesus. You will never be rejected anywhere in the name of Jesus. God bless you, Dake. The Lord bless you for me. And keep you. If you have seen wealth in your life, it was just a joke. The God of prophecy is about to bless you in wealth and in finances. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let it be done according to the word of the Lord. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless everybody too listening to me. I'm so excited to have all of you here. It's a great pe- privilege to have all of you here.、Um, and it's also a wonderful privilege to be called upon by God to be a pastor that will speak the mind and the heart of God to you. It's a great privilege. Hallelujah. And. I don't take it for granted. I don't take it for granted. I thank God for that. God bless you, Bishop. God bless you for me, Martin. May the Lord open dimensions of the prophetic unto you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. All right. I have a burden on my heart to、um, deliver to all of us. I am a proclaimer of the burden of God this night. But before I move on into proclaiming the burden of the Lord that He has bestowed on my heart, I want to open the platform for any question. Any question. You have any question about the spirit realm, about life as a whole? About the things of God, 
the things of the dark world, the marine world, spirit realm at large. Any question you have, what, what is baffling your mind about this whole thing called life? What is it that is trying to steal your peace, that is trying to steal your understanding about things? Any question, the platform is open. You can ask. You want to ask a question about ministry, about any, anything, feel free and ask. When it is the will of the Lord for you to know the answer, definitely the answer will come straight forward. And as it is also in my capacity to give, I will surely deliver by the special grace of God. So the floor is open. You can ask questions. Don't forget your questions because some of you have plenty of questions that you have said, when I meet Jesus in heaven, I will ask him. Don't wait to go to heaven before you ask your question. Ask now. Somebody said, what happens to the spirit of someone who committed suicide? That's a beautiful question. But one of the things I want us to understand, I think I've taught on that before. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7 will answer your question. The word of God said, it is talking about when somebody dies. The Bible said, when somebody dies, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. When the Bible makes mention of the dust, he's talking about the body. So the body will go to the earth as in it will be buried. Then the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So the spirit will definitely go back to God. So every human being that lives on this earth, no matter who the person is, once the person dies, his spirit will go to God. And the body of the person will go to the earth. Because God will actually ask of the earth, where your body is so no matter where you died at whether you were drowned by the sea or you were bent into ashes definitely the earth will ask of your body from whatever took your body are you getting it so you can't be drowned in the sea and you will say your body is lost there, there's nothing like that because the earth on which we are is a personality and she knows all the number of people God has given to her to live on her. So you can't die and the earth will not know where you are. It, is an, it's a, it doesn't happen. Good. So put that at the back of your mind. So the spirit will go to God. Every human being on this earth, once you die, your spirit will go to God. Your body will go to the earth. It is your soul 
Now, when we say your spirit has gone to God, we have to understand what it means. Because many of us lack understanding about this. When we talk about the spirit of man, the spirit of man. This one will lead me into dimensions that it will take. But honestly, the spirit of man The absolute dimension of the spirit of man is like lightning. It's like lightning. So every human being, your spirit is like lightning. In its absolute dimension, it does not really have a shape. I don't know if somebody is getting what I'm saying. It's like a spark of light. Okay, Angel, I'll touch on it. The spirit of man is like a spark of light. It is actually what God breathed into man. It is called the breath of life. The breath of life. Anytime a man dies, the breath carrying the dimension of light goes straight to God. Then your body will go to the earth. Then it is your soul that will journey from the earth to where it is supposed to be based on what it did on the earth. That is why I said this earlier on that as you are here on this earth, everything you do is in the account of your soul. It is like you have a credit card or a debit card and you are buying things online. Do you know that it is actually your bank account that you are deducting the money from? Do you know? Exactly. You have the card in your hand, but it is your account that will lose the money. It is, you will not lose the card physically. So what I'm trying to say is that the physical card in your hand is like your body. So everything you are doing in your body and your account is like your soul. Whatever you do with this body will touch your account. And when you die, what actually you did on this earth will show in your soul. And it will be the determining factor of where you will go after death. So let's put that at the back of our minds. All right. I think Bishop also asked a question. Bishop said, Daddy, please, is there a place where you can hear the voice of God differently, the voice of Jesus differently, and the voice of the Holy Spirit differently? As in, a voice speaks to you, and then you perceive that is that this God, this God talking, and the other voice you perceive at times, the voice informs you that this is the personality speaking. Oh yes, I've thought on that before. There is a distinctive dimension of the voice of God. Yes. Distinctive. They are distinct. There are dimensions where, where the, the Father speaks, the Son speaks, and the Spirit also speaks. Their voices are not the same because their assignments are necessarily not the same. 
even though all of them are getting to a place just one point everything that they are all doing is just gravitating towards a particular let me say destination don't worry you are not going mad <laughs> you are not going mad it is very very possible it happens it happens but mostly what i teach people is that the voice of the father is very rare because biblically biblically god shows us how the father speaks how the the lord jesus speaks and how the holy spirit speaks and the voice of the father is very very rare the father has so many dimensions of voices but when you look at the assignment of the father you will know how he speaks when you look at the assignment it is like this some of us there are so many ways we talk mm -hmm. when you are angry the way you speak is different when you are happy the way you speak is different so just one person but certain conditions can give different tonations of voices that is how god is like the same god one personality just one person not three persons one person that manifests himself in different dimensions and all those dimensions are conditions of god and they have different voices because it is not the father that came to die it is the son so definitely because the son came to die he will say something different it's like the lord jesus at the garden of gethsemane and he said father i wish that this cup will run over me but it's not my will the father will never speak that because the son cry was even speaking to the father are you get but they were all purposed towards one dimension but based on the different kind of assignments they all had different voices so when you read the book of revelation the bible says that the lord jesus he speaks like many waters that is one of the main ways to know that the lord jesus has spoken many waters and the word of god said the holy ghost his voice is like a still small voice a still small voice but the father he speaks like thunder most of the times but that does not mean that is the only way he speaks there are so many dimensions but i want you to know it is possible to have different voices you can go to heaven right now and see the father on the throne you can go to heaven another time and see the lord jesus on the throne it is only the holy ghost that most of the times you don't really see him on the throne but even him he also has a dimension like a shape he has a face <laughs> so you see there are not three people one person you can go to heaven as you are seeing the father on the throne you blink your eye and open it again within a microsecond and that is jesus you are seeing that is the still the father and still the holy ghost that is to let you know that there are not three gods we have only one god said the lord your god o israel the lord your god is one we don't have three gods as they have taught us god is not three person 
God is one person, one personality, having three dimensions of manifestation. The same way you don't carry your whole body into your dream, but it is either your spirit or your soul that manifests in your dream. Why don't you take your body into your dream? Because dream is a language of the spirit and the soul, not the body. Are you getting it? It is the same way that dimensions of the Lord Jesus, that dimension of the Holy Spirit. You see, let me explain, let me say it this way. Jesus cannot enter into you and dwell in you because Jesus is a body like your physical body. It is only the Holy Ghost that dwells in us. And the Holy Ghost dwells in us in a form called Christ. You see the whole thing? So the Holy Ghost is like Jesus unlimited. Because that is the reason why when Jesus was with the disciples, he told them, it will be good for you that I go. Because if I don't go, I'm just with you and I'm not with any other person else. Meanwhile, the assignment God wants to achieve through me is global. How can I stay in Israel as one person and people in Ghana will not know me? Therefore, I am going to go to my father and bring another dimension of me that can be at every place in every person at the same time. And that dimension of me is called the Holy Spirit. It is also the dimension called the Christ. Are you getting it? So we have to understand that. Let me um, answer some few questions before I forget. Somebody said, um, what does it mean when a prophecy says that my finances have been held and how do I release these blessings? <sighs> it's a whole lot. Oh. It's a whole lot. You see, many of us don't actually understand. Anytime you hear the word Trinity, mostly it brings confusion. Because Trinity, it is not entirely wrong, but the way they explain it makes it wrong. I'm telling you. The way they explain actually makes it wrong. If you want to understand God in the dimension of three, you know, manifestations, look at yourself first. The way you have been told you, are, you have a spirit, soul, and body, look at it first. And realize that there are dimensions, it is only your physical body you are seeing. But everything you do with your physical body is already in the account of your soul. And your spirit is also at the back pushing. So you see, with this understanding, you have to know that some of you, when God wants to speak to you, he, he goes straight to your soul or your spirit to speak to you. It is to let you know that your spirit has a dimension where it dwells. Your soul has a dimension where it dwells and your body is also having a dimension. But when I ask you right now, where is your spirit? You say it is in me. 
where is your soul? You say it is in me. That is to say, you are not three people living at different places. You are one personality having three dimensions in you as one person. Your spirit is not somewhere else, your spirit is in you. That is what will let you understand that anything that is spirit lives in the spirit realm. So if your spirit is a spirit and it lives in the spirit realm and you also see that your spirit is in you, then the question is where is the realm of the spirit? This one is simultaneous equation. Let me touch on this one. Um, somebody also asked the question. Okay, so you see, when they say maybe your finances have been maybe locked, what you are supposed to, that is why, when you say your finances is locked, maybe the prophet that is prophesying um, has seen what has locked the finances. Or, the Lord inspired him to say it and he prayed for you. Maybe physically to you know that financial, you know, financial life is not all that fine. He has to pray for you. There's a whole lot. When it comes to prophecy there, there's a whole lot. I don't know how you want it to, to be. But mostly when God gives a prophetic word, he will show you the way to get out of it. Whether if it is negative, he will show you the way to get out of it. And if it is a positive thing, he will show you how to handle it. So I think that's what I can say. Okay, good. Let me answer the next question. Miss B said, Papa, please, can you throw more light on this scripture? Genesis chapter 4 verse 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enosh. Then began men to call upon the name of Jehovah. And Seth had a son and gave him the name Enosh. At this time, men first made use of the name of the Lord in worship. Amazing. <laughs> I love that scripture because it was me, Seth. When I gave birth, that was when people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So you see, I have to show respect. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, if there is no set in your life, let me stop here. All right. Now, let me touch on it. When <laughs> To be good for you or to get a set to marry to help you. you you start calling upon the name of the lord because we are people that we carry calling we carry the calling of god you get it yeah may the lord help you get a good not all set people are good some of them <laughs> don't know may god help us in jesus mighty name Somebody said, a person that is battling with sin or unclean spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell there, right? It's not true. It's not true. You can be battling with sin 
and still the Holy Ghost will be with you. When I say, um, let me let me let me explain something. I'm going to answer all the questions, okay? But this one caught my attention because it is one of the things that many people have used to put fear in other people. Very very serious. Now, there are dimensions of the Holy Ghost in a man. Fasadi we show three. There are three main dimensions of the Holy Ghost at work in a man's life. The first one is what we call the Holy Ghost with you. The Holy Ghost with you. And we have the Holy Ghost in you. And the Holy Ghost upon you. So you see, I'm trying to get a certain scripture for you. Jesus was saying something and he told the disciples that when he the spirit of truth shall come whom the world know not the world doesn't know him for he is with you and he shall be in you if you can get that scripture for me i'll be very very happy for he is in you for he is with you and he shall be in you he said that spirit of truth that the world doesn't know. Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he was telling them that the Holy Ghost will come. But when the Holy Ghost comes, please let's follow. When the Holy Ghost comes, the world doesn't know that Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost that Jesus is talking about, he is with the disciples and he shall be in them. That means he is not in them. Or let me say he was not in them at the moment Jesus was talking. Can somebody get that scripture? Okay. Good. The spirit of truth. John chapter 14 verse 17. He said the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it, it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Have you seen that? He dwells with and he will be in. They are not the same. So there is what we call the Holy Ghost with a man and the Holy Ghost in a man. Then later in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus told us, when the spirit of truth come up, he said, when the spirit shall come upon you, you shall receive power. So when the Holy Ghost is with a person, there is what he does. When he is in a person, there is what he does. And when he is on a, or upon a person, there is what he does. They are not the same. So the Holy Ghost, as I'm talking to you, is with every sinner. 
every human being on the surface of the earth. The Holy Ghost is with the person. And there is a reason why he is with the person. The main reason why he is with the person is he wants to convict the person so that he will be in the person. Wow. That, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear that revelation. Glory. So you see, the Holy Ghost is with somebody to convict the person. And the moment the person believes in what the Holy Ghost is convicting him of, immediately the Holy Ghost will come and dwell in the person. And the moment the Holy Ghost dwells inside the person, something actually goes on. What do we mean by the Holy Ghost is in you? What happens is that there is a mingling of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of man. That is what the Word of God said. And the Spirit buried witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. The moment the Holy Ghost dwells inside the man, the man becomes a son of God. Now, a son as a result of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost because there are levels in sonship. And when the Holy Ghost dwells inside, that, that thing called the witness is the most important thing in your Christian life. It's the basics, the foundation of your Christian work. When the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit, you are a son. But the Bible also said in Romans 8, I think verse 14 also, the word of God said, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So there is a certain sonship that comes from the Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit and another dimension of sonship that comes from you being led by the Spirit. Are you getting it? The moment the Holy Ghost is inside the man, what actually happens anatomically and physiologically is that the Holy Ghost does not leave the believer, but the believer pulls him or herself away from the Holy Ghost. Are you getting what I'm saying? Please, can you all hear me? Can you all hear me, please? Can you all hear me, please? 
Can you all hear me, please? All right, great. Okay, so uh -huh. as I was saying, the Holy Ghost does not depart from the believer. It is the believer that draws himself away from the Spirit of God. And that happens in so many dimensions. One of the things we have to understand in this world, you see many believers don't have a lot of understanding about the dealings of the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost enters into a man to dwell in the man, if I can, you can answer for me, which part of you, of you does the Holy Ghost dwell when he enters into you? Which part? And which place actually is the Holy Ghost looking for? Exactly. It is inside your heart. And that heart is not just... It's not the physical heart that pumps blood. No. I've explained this. There is a dimension called the human heart. And that heart is a bridge between the soul and the spirit. Between the soul and the spirit. The only part of a person that is both spirit, both soul. Is actually what we call the heart. And in fact, that is where the Bible said in the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So every trouble, every evil comes from the heart. That is where God will send the Holy Ghost to. Because your heart actually is a big organ in your entire um, makeup. I'm telling you, Physically, just as the physical heart pumps blood to all parts of the body, it is the same way that the spiritual heart also pumps what we call thoughts to all the parts of your being. And I want you to know this. Just as blood is very, very essential to the human body, thoughts are also very, very essential to your entire life. Let me just bring this practical example. Do you know that when you begin to think lustful thoughts, you can control how blood will flow even to your reproductive organ? Do you know? So you see, you can think lustful. You can just see somebody and start thinking and you know, you have lustful desire towards the person. And those thoughts can control your blood. So what you have to understand is that thoughts are actually the basics of the human life. And every thought, the Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart. So you don't think with your mind, you think with your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that is why there is a big saying that the word of God said, where your heart is, that is where your treasure is. 
bebia wakoma wono e honso na waja pade wo so anything you treasure you put it in your heart that is why when you love somebody that is why even love comes from the heart everything about god for you to express in a human life will come from the heart love is from the heart you have to love from your very the very depth of your heart you have to trust from your heart i told you the other time that trust is another organ in the heart how many of us remember that i think we need anatomy and physiology of the entire human spirit and soul because it is very 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 needful you see many believers think that the holy ghost will just enter you and leave when you do something wrong do you know what goes on and do you know what happens for the holy ghost to enter into a man we don't know that is why you have to first understand the three main assignments of the holy ghost in every human being's life I'm telling you every human being I told you that three dimensions the holy ghost with a person the holy ghost in a person and the holy ghost upon the person when the holy ghost comes upon you he comes upon you as a dimension called the anointing the anointing and the anointing does a lot of things one of these is I'm going to teach on that but when the holy ghost is in you what he does in you is to actually build up what we call salvation salvation is not dying and going to heaven i beg let us understand this salvation is a well do you know well a bura a bura ya tuzo ewum Salvation is a well. So the Holy Ghost actually inside a person is like waters. It's like a well that flows. That is why the Bible said in the book of John chapter 7 verse 38 that if you believe as it has been written out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And that word belly actually is speaking of the seat of the soul which is the heart. Just look at that. So once you believe in the Lord Jesus the Holy Ghost enters into you as a well in your heart and understand this that a well is not a river that flows on its own a well is a pit that has been dug with water in it so you have to draw the water out of it before it can be useful to you do you know that good That is why when a man is saved salvation does not necessarily mean that you are going to heaven no 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 in fact <laughs> I don't want to confuse you it is part of salvation though but that is not the meaning of salvation let me let you understand what the word, what the word of God said the bible said that with joy we shall draw out of the wells of salvation with joy Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 the bible said with joy we shall draw out of the wells of salvation so that let me say container and the rope 
that you use to draw water from a well. In our salvation work, it is actually called joy. Can you all hear me? So please, don't get it twisted. Don't get confused. Don't get confused. I'm trying to let you have understanding about. So you, as you are seated right now, there is a well inside your heart. And that well is full of waters. But do you know that there are times where the waters in a well can go down to a point where when you fetch it, it will be very dirty. And there are times too that the well, you know, it can come up even to the topmost part of the whole um, well. And there are times that the well will overflow. How many of us have seen wells that have overflown before? Oh, you've not seen some before. Those of you who have not seen some before, I think you people, you live in U.S. and those places. But we that, we that live in, what you say, and the Kasapin trade places, we have seen some before. But <laughs> so please put this at the back of your mind. When we say a man is saved, it means that there is a well. And that well actually is called salvation. And if you understand, well is a place of waters. Where we fetch waters for it to be useful to us and to people. So the first thing you have to understand is that that well inside you was not made in you for only you. It is for you and for others. That is why the Bible said, Saviors shall come out of Mount Zion. Saviors shall come out of Mount Zion. Saviors shall come out of Mount Zion. And when we say Saviors, we are talking about those that have been saved. So we were saved to also save. And how do we save people? By bringing out the waters in our well for them. How do we do that? Jesus made a statement the other time. When he was carrying the cross, going to Gogota, some women were crying and they said, Oh, we are crying for you. And he said, Don't cry for my sake. Cry for yourselves and your family. For even me, a living wood, look at what they are doing to me. How much more you dead wood. How many of us remember that statement that Jesus said? Good. Well, how many of us remember that Jesus said something like that?
you see, any person that is not saved is called a dead wood. And when you look at a wood that is or a tree that is dead, what actually is he looking for? The word of God said in the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 7 to 9. Job 14, verse 7 to 9. He said, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it, it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Verse 8. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. So just by the scent of water, a dead tree will come back to life again. So unsaved people are known as dead trees. But at the scent of water, where is the water going to come from? It will come from the well of salvation in we that are saved. So until the well overflows or until we bring out of the well of salvation with joy, the waters in it, it will never be useful to the dead wood. Are you getting the picture here? So you were saved to save. And how can the waters in the well be a blessing to others? It will come from what we call manifesting the kingdom of God. So the well that was created in you at the moment of your salvation is the beginning of the kingdom of God in you. But have this understanding that the kingdom of God that has started inside you. You remember when the word of God said, he said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observations so that one will say, lo, it is here, it is there. But the kingdom of God is within you, is within you. So the kingdom of God inside a man is actually called the salvation, the well of salvation inside us. And that kingdom that is in us, there are dimension, dimensions of it. Do you know that I can fetch water from the well inside me and give it to somebody to drink and it will be a blessing to the person? But I can also help the person to come and receive well inside him or herself. Do you know that they are not the same thing? Are you all following what I'm saying? Okay, let's say I have a well in my house and somebody will just come to my house and fetch some of the well and go. The waters will be, will be a blessing to the person. But when the person comes to me and says, show me how you dug this well and let me also do. And I will show the person that do this, do this, do this. And the person also gets a well in his or her house. Do you know that both of us have become same people? Because of the well. That is what I'm trying to let you understand. Fetching water from the well for a person is a way of showing the kingdom to the person. We call it seeing the kingdom. But when you show the person the way you dug the well, for the person to also dig a well in his or her house, it means that the person has entered into the kingdom like you have so jesus said in the book of john chapter 3 when nicodemus came to him at night and he said rabbi 
No man can do what you are doing except God is with him. Immediately Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Then later he said, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So there is the seeing part of God's kingdom and the entering part of God's kingdom. They are not just flat things that you have to just quickly understand. So when, when we heal a blind man who is not saved, the person has seen God's kingdom. He has tasted the goodness of the Lord. When we heal a Muslim who is not a believer of Christ, the person has seen our kingdom. But when the person believes in our God, he believes in Christ, he has entered the kingdom. He has now entered the gate. Understand that when you enter through the gate of a kingdom, you have not gone to the dimension where God has prepared for you. We are in God's kingdom, but there is a place God has prepared for us in his kingdom we are going. It is a journey. So entering the gate of the kingdom is not all. We are supposed to get to a place where there is a throne, where we will sit on the throne. And until you get to that dimension, you have not gotten to where God has prepared for you. And that is why when you are at the gate, there are things that can keep you at the gate for all your life. Those are the things the Bible made mention of. They are called the works of the flesh, fornication, adultery, all those things. So long as you still have your faith in Christ, you are in the kingdom, but you are still at the gate. You will never advance. So the Bible says that if you continue to do those things, you will not enter into the kingdom. He said, haven't I said that people that engage themselves in adultery, in all those things, they, they will not inherit. What do we mean by inheritance? That the thing has been given unto you. Are we all getting it? I think I, I would need a board and all of us in one room so that I can touch on things. If you join us at Atria Mountains, I will explain everything into details. So don't miss Atria. Alright. And I think um, Miss B also asked the question, is she here? Is Miss B around? Good. Let me touch on your question. Now, the word of God said, Seth gave birth to a son called Enosh, and from that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. What does it mean? When Adam knew his wife, Eve, they conceived, and they gave birth to Cain, and later they gave birth to Abel. So these were the two people that were born by Adam and Eve. Now, these people, at points in time, they were supposed to bring their sacrifice before God. And the enemy, at that time, had this understanding that before, when man fell, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when the devil deceived them to eat, the Bible said, when God came, God went straight to the woman and asked, what have you done? God went straight to the man. What have you done? And the man said, 
it is not me. It is the woman that you gave me that deceived me. Then God went straight to the woman and said, what have you done? Then Satan also said, it's not me. It is the serpent that deceived me. Immediately, God went to the serpent. God said, because of what you have done from today, you have been cursed among all cattle and the dust of the ground will be your food. And God also said, the same woman you used her for all humanity to fall, out of that same woman a seed will come and that seed will bruise your head and you will bite his heel. The day the devil heard that a seed will come out of a woman and that seed will come and bruise the head of the serpent. Understand, once you bruise the head of a serpent, you have killed it because that is where the life of a serpent is, in the head. Then the serpent said, okay, from today, I will follow every woman. I will follow the woman and see the moment a seed comes out of her, I will kill that seed so that it will not bruise my head. From that time, the devil began his work. He was walking about, looking for the seed to destroy. So when he saw that Cain and Abel were born by Adam and Eve, when he saw the day they came to present the sacrifice before God, what happened was that God accepted the sacrifice of Abel. How did God accept in the times of old for a person's sacrifice to be accepted what happens is that you will have an altar that that is made with stones and you will put that which you want to sacrifice to god on it and you just raise your hand in worship that god this is your sacrifice that i've brought to you if it pleases god fire supernatural fire that was not started by any human being will come from above and consume that sacrifice on the altar. So as they were all standing there, fire came from above and consumed because Abel used what we call a lamp. And as Abel placed the lamp on the altar, God remembered what he did before the foundations of the world. When John went to heaven, he saw a lamp. And he said, this is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. So God had already slain a Lamb that was Jesus before the foundations of the world. And he used the blood of the Lamb to be the foundation power of the entire world. So anytime God sees a Lamb being sacrificed from a pure heart, it reminds, it reminds him of his greatest sacrifice ever. So when God saw that on the altar of Abel, he accepted Abel's offering. And when the enemy saw that Abel's offering had been accepted, immediately the prophecy God told him that a seed will come out of the woman that will bruise your head, he thought that no, if God had accepted this man's offering, then he might be the seed God is talking about. Quickly, he took an avenue and that avenue was the point where Cain realized that Abel's sacrifice had been received and jealousy entered into him. At the moment that jealousy entered into him, the devil used that as a platform, as a place to stand in the life of Cain. And he began to increase or stare that jealousy to a point where it grew to bitterness. And when it grew to bitterness, he stared it and it grew to envy. And when it grew to envy, 
what actually came up was that if God had taken your sacrifice, then you would be out of the way. So the devil used something that started in Cain's heart as a normal human being. The devil stood upon it as a platform, as a place to destroy the life of Abel. And from that time, the devil was leading Cain in all his work. Then, Adam and Eve gave birth. From that time, Cain did not sacrifice anything unto God again. So they forgot about God. And I wish I could say a lot about Cain. But it will shift me from the um, question I'm answering. Now, so what happened was that Adam and Eve knew themselves again. And the woman conceived and gave birth to a, a son called Seth. And he said, God has replaced my son Abel. And God has compensated me with Seth. So Seth in its original Hebrew meaning actually is compensation. And when Seth, who was a compensation to Adam and Eve, came, he gave birth to Enosh. And the Bible says, from that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So the spirit of Abel that was able to buy into the mind of God before the foundations of the world to sacrifice a lamb unto God at that crucial time, that spirit came upon Seth. And Seth gave birth to Enosh and he taught them. And then from that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord in the sense that men began to sacrifice unto God again. And they began to bow in worship, knowing that God was the only source of their lives. Somebody said, who was Seth's wife? Now, let me touch on this. You see... If you look at the time that Seth gave birth, definitely you would know that the Bible, Adam and Eve were actually giving birth. You would just sim simply know. The fact that the Bible just said Cain and Abel, Seth, does not mean Adam and Eve gave birth to only three people. No. If you come to a point of knowing where Cain and Abel were when Abel died. You would know that these guys were old. If you study Jewish history, they were actually around 40 something years when they sacrificed unto God. And Adam and Eve cannot wait for their first two children to be 40, 40 something years and there is no other child. No. That means that other children were born, but it was only Seth that was a replica of the Abel that was taken away. That is why the woman looked at Seth and said, this one is my compensation. Are you getting the picture now? Good. So there were a lot of children that Adam gave birth to. 
and these children were marrying themselves because at that time that was how things were there were few human beings on the earth so they were marrying themselves and they were giving birth are you getting it so it is very possible Seth married his own father's daughter Wow, Deke. Wow, we thank God for Daddy's life. We pray for heavenly protection in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let the power of God touch him and preserve his life in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, son. We'll talk, okay? Yes, Becklin, there's a strong link between the ladies and the left. That is how God made it. In the dimension of God, ladies are actually on the left and men are on the right. Let me explain what I mean. The Bible says that the right hand of God is power and on his left, pleasures forevermore. So a man is a symbol of power. A woman is a symbol of pleasure. Yes, that is how God has made it. And that is the reason why you have to understand. If the Bible says that God made the world for his pleasure, I won't go there. A lot of you start thinking otherwise. <laughs> so this in fact this afternoon I was there when the Lord was speaking to me concerning women 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 I think one of these days I'll talk on the mystery of woman the mystery of woman yes that is why if you're a man here and you don't respect a woman ah I don't know your problem. And if you're a woman here too, and you don't know what God has purposed for you, and you don't follow the will of God, you too, you have become nothing. May the Lord help all of us. Okay, Professor St. Prophet, kindly elaborate on the Tower of Ghana you mentioned last time. This one, if I say it, they'll come and arrest me. But I'll just, you know, <laughs> I'll just say some few things. I think there are many people who have asked questions that I've skipped. I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me. If you can repost the question, I'll be very happy. I said this the other time that every nation must have a city a tower and a name every nation must have a city a tower and a name 
Pedro said that the and Enoch was not. Please help us understand it. <laughs> I think I've answered this question before. The Bible said, when, when the word of God said, and Enoch was not, the next one answers it all. For God took him. For God took him. For God took him. Now, one of the things you have to understand about the taking of God It is actually the word laka, laka in the Greek, which means to seize. So God seized Enoch from the corners of the earth. Someone said, please, are prophets born or made? <laughs> this one is questioned for the school of the prophets. I don't want to get confused. Let me, let me touch on this one. That is why all of you, <laughs> okay, you get one special day. That one will be six hours continuous for questions and answers. If you sleep, I will spiritually give you a knock because there are people they will never ask some of the question. Answer no, so I won't join you or online. So Enoch was not, for God took him. Now, what actually happened was that God lifted Enoch, he seized Enoch. Now, for you to seize something, actually, it's a saying that it was in the hands of another. Do you know that? So Enoch was actually in the hands of the earth. And God seized him from the hands of the earth. And if I've read the book of Enoch, you would have understood a lot of these things. Else, the Lord has to open your eyes on so many occasions of maybe encounters or by deep spiritual studies into the word of God that you can understand these things. Because Enoch was there and two angels appeared to him and said, the Lord said we should come for you. And he said, okay, let me talk to my sons and settle everything. So he called his sons and they told him that prepare, we will come for you. So he told the sons that I will be going. The Lord wants, wants me, but I don't know when I will come back. I don't know. So please, you are the eldest son. When I'm away, do this, do this, do this, do this. And when the day came, he was seated in his sofa when the two angels appeared. And they held his hands, one on the right, one on the left. And they moved into the clouds physically, not spiritually, physically. They entered into the physical clouds. And just as physically the clouds received Jesus from the sight of the disciples during the ascension day, that was how the clouds also received Enoch with the angels out of the sight of the physical. 
and I was explaining things some other time about the chariot of God. One of these will take much more time and maybe next year. I fixed it next year around April. I will talk about the chariot of God. Save the date. It is not wedding. It is um, spiritual understanding. So save the date. It drew her moon kind. I'm going to unveil what we call the chariot of God. We use it in the prophetic. But the, the ones that we use in the prophetic are very different from the physical one that comes to pick your body. God bless you, my son. Better. So you see, what happens? What happened was that they lifted Enoch into the physical clouds. That was when Enoch, the earth lost grip of Enoch. So Enoch was not, and that word was not means that he actually exited the corners of the earth. For God took him. So it's as simple as that. He was lifted from the jurisdiction of the earth for God to him, and he began to move into the heavenly dimensions of God from the first heavens the second heavens he moved and moved and moved and moved and I've explained these things this one no matter how I teach and explain it you will never understand it to the deepest part until you experience it and I pray that the Lord will grant all of us experiential knowledge into the dimensions of the heavens in Jesus precious mighty name Amen alright so um, put that at the back of your mind so people of God let me touch on um, professor's question <laughs> I told us that every nation for the nation to be a nation that is why you have to understand i want to say something today and i will say it there is no nation that we see in this world that does not have blood as a foundation i'm telling you the truth for a nation to be a nation blood must be poured out because even the entire world god created the entire world on the foundation of blood the blood of jesus was shed before god started creation before the world began so the world actually is standing on the power in the blood that is why the power in the blood is called the power of resurrection and there is nothing that can stand against that power it is all god's power put together No wonder when the blood of the Lamb began to speak in the book of Revelation chapter 12, the devil lost his place in heaven. So the Bible said that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, the blood of the Lamb. So for a nation to be a nation, it must have three dimensions, three things. First, a city. Second, A tower and third a name a city a tower and a name I want to say something
people of God. I told you that the city actually is the, let me say, the jurisdiction that the whole nation is made up of. And do you know, because of the extension of the city, or let me say, because of the extension of cities, people fight a lot. The other time, when I was teaching about Ghana in church, I told them that the Ashanti kingdom wanted to extend its borders around the Dentra area. And if they had conquered the Dentra people, they would have taken that place and it would have become part of the Ashanti kingdom. But the Dentra people fought them and the Ashanti people lost the battle. Till now, that place is not part of the Ashanti kingdom. It is part of the central region. But they too, they don't speak Fanti. So you see, so if that had happened, the map, do you know that there is a map of the, every region in this nation has a map? Do you know that? The map actually is just a drawing picture of the city of maybe a region or the entire nation Ghana has a map which speaks of all the cities that it rules over. So every city in every nation actually is the map. So Nigerians, Nigeria has a map, Ghana has a map. Togo has a map. And the map actually speaks of the city. And it has a name also, Ghana. But there's what we call tower. And I wish I can say things here. The name of every country is taken from the tower. Don't forget it. The name of every country is taken from the tower. And if you look at how Ghana was named, <laughs> you have to first know that we are already in trouble. That's why I said if I say plenty things, I will get arrested. I'm telling you. And the other time I explained things about towers, I showed you how Every tower has a person that understands spirit work. So put this at the back of your mind. There is always a spirit behind a tower. There is always a certain spirit being behind a tower. Exactly. There is always a spirit behind a tower. And it is out of that spirit you get the name. Of your city which would becomes your your country now if you study the history of the nation Ghana 
Exactly. That is why Nimrod wanted to build the city and the tower. You see, it is deeper than what we think. <laughs> it is deeper than what we think. And I wish I can say something here. Nimrod and his people said, Let us build a city and a tower whose top might reach to the heavens. Genesis. Chapter 11, verse 4. Hmm. Look at what the ISV says. He said, then, then they said, Come on, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its summit in the heavens. And let's make a name for ourselves so we won't be scattered over the surface of the earth with its summit. Summit. When you say whose top is in the heavens, many of you would think it's a physical thing as in you see the ten ten things are now could do heaven. There is nothing like that. <laughs> do you know where heaven is? So their focus actually was not to build the thing long uh, for you to enter heaven. It is not like that. That is why the word who stop, let us build a task, who stop may reach into the heavens. It is actually a deep statement. That is why when we read the ISV, he says, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its summit in the heavens. So do you know what they were trying to say? Exactly. So what they are trying to say is that the summit of a thing actually becomes the highest point. It is actually exactly a certain point where power will be tapped from. Are you getting it? I mean, if you are getting what I'm saying. Prophetess Linda, God bless you. I hope you are doing well. Apostle told me you, you went to France. Have you returned? I hope everything is fine. Wow, we bless God. I will see you very soon. I will be in Kumasi shortly, so I will see you very soon. God bless you and the family. Good. So, what they were actually saying was that we are building a tower and a city. So, understand that it is not the tower whose top merits to the heavens, but the tower and the city. Let us build a city and a tower whose top merit to the heavens. So, it is actually both the city and the tower whose top merit to the heavens. And it is not like, how can you build a city? That is not what they are trying to say. They are trying to say that let us build a tower and a city whose power will be tapped 
from the heavenly dimensions, from the heavens, from the heavens. And what does it mean to tap the power from the heavens? It means all the things that are known as heavenly bodies or celestial bodies, we are going to combine the power of the celestial bodies and cause it to back the city and the tower. So I want to point blank tell you what actually is happening. I want you all to know that what Nimrod and the whole people on the earth were trying to do is what Islam is representing. So that each summit may be to the heavens was that we are trying to combine the powers in the moon and the powers in the stars. And use the powers in the moon and the stars to back our city. No wonder every country you go where Islam has taken over, they like building towers. Even if it's a normal building, they want to build it at like something that is long. So that at the topmost part, the, the what we call the first floor or the last floor, based on where you are coming from, it will be a place where power will speak from. And actually, it is this that we call Antichrist. Others will say Antichrist. The other time I was trying to explain something, but many of us did not get it. The word Antichrist means opposite of Christ or the one that opposes Christ. The one that opposes Christ. And the other time, when we read the scriptures, the word of God told us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, explain to us what Christ actually is. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. The Bible said. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But unto them, when you read from the ISV, it says, But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, the Messiah is God's power and God's wisdom. Wow. ISV makes it clear. The Messiah, that is Christ, is God's power and God's wisdom. So when we, God's power and God's wisdom is called Christ. And I told you the other time that wisdom is a representative of the forehead. And the power is a representative of the right hand. Or the right hand is a representative of the power. And the forehead is a representative of the wisdom. So the Bible said the right hand of God is power. Are you following? So in the times of old, 
During the time of the emperor Nero, I said this the other time, so I'm just trying to brush through. They built they built a statue of Nero at the gate that will cause you to enter into the township of Jerusalem. And when you go there, you have to bow before that statue. And when you bow, what happens is that they will put ash and song and song. They will put ash on your forehead and on your right hand. That is going to be the tendency, or let me say the currency, that will let you buy and sell at the marketplace. So you see, that ash that they are going to put on your forehead and your right hand is actually a symbol of your worship to a different being. And understand that your forehead is a representative of your wisdom and your right hand is a representative of power, which speaks of Christ. So anytime ash is put on your forehead and on your right hand, it is actually a sign of what is against Christ. And anything that is against Christ or opposes Christ is called an antichrist. Are you with me? Can you all hear me, please?
Can you all hear me? Alright, great. So, as I was saying, when they pour the ash on your forehead and on your hand, which is actually a representation of the wisdom and power of God, which is Christ, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, what they are doing is that they are standing against and opposing Christ. And I told you that anything that opposes Christ is an antichrist. So the Bible actually makes mention of what we call antichrist. Now, if you listen to what John told us about Antichrist, John said, in 1 John chapter 2 verse 18, he said, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Now, let me touch on, let me read um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. 1 John. Can you hear me? Somebody said no sound. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Now, the first John chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible said, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh and is not of God, and that is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is it in the world. So you see, the Bible is telling us we have what we call the spirit of Antichrist, and we have the personality. Of Antichrist, the spirit and the personality. I wish this, if this one was eschatology, I would have taken time to go deep into that because I can't use few minutes to teach on this. But I'm trying to let you understand this that when you check, listen to me carefully. If you look from the spirit realm perspective, that which is actually standing against Christ on this earth, there are so many things that are standing against Christ, but that which is standing against Christ that has actually copied a lot about Christ to fight against Christ is Islam. Islam. And the other time I explained how Islam came about and I told you that Muslims do not serve our God anybody that tells you oh, we are all from the same God you know just that we call our God this and they call our God that is not true that person is deceiving you in fact there are people who are Muslims that are preaching that Christians and Muslims are the same so we shouldn't fight. We should come together and we should do this. Those people, they are the most dangerous people ever. Because if you read the Quran, the Quran will actually tell you
the Quran will tell you I wish I could get some scriptures from from the Quran for us to read but maybe one of these days I will, I will teach of that I will let everybody download the Quran so that we go we go to Makranta then you align it with your scriptures and you will know that it is a great deception I'm telling you because in Quran they say that God is not in three dimensions they say God is one which we all believe that God is one but he manifests himself in three dimensions they say there is no dimension of God in fact anytime you see God is in three dimensions you are an unbeliever and you must be stoned to death I'm trying to get the verse for you in the Quran Okay. Okay, mm -hmm. I think it is Quran chapter 4. It is Amisa Quran chapter 4. If you have your Quran, get it ready. <laughs> Quran chapter 4. It is called Amisa. Quran chapter 4, verse 171. And listen to what they are saying. Quran chapter 4, verse 171. He said, Listen to this. O people of the scripture, he's talking to Muslims, do not commit excess in your religion or say about Allah except the truth. The Messiah Jesus, the son of Mary. You see, when the Bible makes mention of Jesus, you see the son of God. He said, the Messiah Jesus, the son of Mary, was but a messenger of Allah, and his word 
which he directed to Mary and a soul from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers and do not say Trinity. Look at that. Believe. He said that Jesus is just a messenger and a soul from Allah. <laughs> he said, do not say Trinity. He said, three. do not say three. Stop it. That is good for you. Allah is the only one God. He is far too pure to have a son. Look at that. He said, Allah is far too pure to have a son. So if God says that Jesus is my beloved son, and Muslims are saying that their God doesn't have a son, do you think we are saving the same God from this Quran? Huh? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16, comparing it to this scripture, Quran chapter 4, verse 171, that Allah is too pure to have a son. <laughs> and still they will convince you that we are serving the same God. Our God says he has a son. And their God is saying he has no son because he is too pure. And you are saying we have the same God. What kind of confusion is that? And went further to say, he is too, too, he is far too pure to have a son. To him belongs what is in the heavens and what is in the earth, and Allah is enough to trust him. Wow. So those of you that they told you that oh Muslims and Christians are serving the same way, that we call our God. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah, and they call him Allah. It is not true. I told you what Allah is. Let me touch on it before we close. I told you the other time that Allah is divided into two. It is actually the word, the God of the moon or the moon goddess. And I explained that that last three letters, L-A-H, is actually the name of the goddess of the moon, the ancient goddess of the moon called la and al is the word the teh so allah actually means the goddess of the moon or the god of the moon because the god of the moon is a is a female personality can i say something that will shock many of you this goddess of the moon that is a female personality found her way in Christianity. He found her way in the church. He's also, she's also known as the queen of heaven. When she found her way in Christianity, at that time, the Romans had control over all Israel. And it was actually Israel that Christ came that, and he started his church. So the Roman people entered into Christianity with their own religious and their own wisdom. So this thing that they call Mary, Mary too much in Roman Catholic Church, that Mary will appear in the sky and they will all bow to Mary, people of God. It is not true in the kingdom of our God. Mary was just a normal woman that was favored by God to carry the Messiah. 
She is not God. She can't be God. She is just a normal person like Paul believed and God used him. She was just a woman that was favored. And God came through her in the form of a man called Jesus to manifest his works. She is not to be worshipped. If we are all bowing down to Mary, we have to bow down to the mother of Moses. We have to bow down to the mother of Samson. We have to bow down to the mother of Abraham. It is this being, in fact, when you go to the kingdom of darkness, she's called Ashtaroth. I will teach on the, the mystical dimension of the dark world very soon. Very, very soon. Maybe once we return from Atria, I will teach on that. Ashtaroth. She is the goddess in charge of all religion. So, that goddess you actually see that the Muslims are worshipping, it is that same being that permeated herself into the church systems, to the Roman Catholic system, and they call her Mary. <clears throat> She's called the Queen of Heaven. So the people worship her as Mary, but that is a different personality. They are deceived. As I'm talking to you, there are many Roman Catholics, they go to know these things, so they stopped. I'm telling you the truth. Can I open your eyes on something? <laughs> The Roman Empire came as a result of two children. Two children. A woman gave birth to two children. One was called Romulus and one was called Remus. Two children, Remus and Romulus. And their mother died and left them. Small children, the moment the woman gave birth to them, she died. And a dog, a dog-like being, came to meet where the children were, and the dog fed them with her breast milk. So these two children, Remus and Romulus, grew as a result of the breast milk from their dog. And when they grew, Everything about them changed. They were thinking differently, like they were they, they were thinking as if they were not human beings. And both of them started the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire, every being that will sit on the Roman Empire as a king or an emperor will look like a dog at a deeper dimension. So you remember a time came, Jesus actually called Herod a certain name. Let me cut it. I'm just trying to let you know 
that all these things, let me tell you, when you go to the dark world, one of the demons that is very, very brilliant and smart is Ashtaroth. She's very fair, a, a feminine personality. Very, very fair. Very wise. And she's the progenitor, or she's the one behind every religion Hare Krishna, Hinduism, Islam, everything. And she found her way into the church through the Roman Empire and called herself Mary, the mother of God. Can you give birth to God? <laughs> but the Lord have mercy upon us. I'm trying to let you understand so that you will know how to work with God in a dimension. I wish I can say things. When you go to the Roman Catholic Church, some of them, the things they are doing, May the Lord help us and grant us divine grace in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Okay. So people of God, the tower that is a spiritual strength and power for the nation Ghana has been attacked. Prophets and people that have eyes to see are praying that the Lord God Almighty, the power of God, will take charge of the tower so that God will be the entire ruler of the nation of Ghana. But a certain spirit, a certain God that somebody went to bring from a place called Guinea, a place called Papua Guinea. You can look, you can just go and check. Is contending with the God of the prophets of this land. So Ghana as it is, is actually not a stable country. Because we don't really have one ultimate God that rules over the nation. But may the Lord have mercy on us. Yes, it is called Kankenyami. And if you care to know, there is a place in Cape Coast called Elmina Castle. There is something in Elmina Castle that connects to the whole entire nation called Ghana. That is where the tower of the nation Ghana is found. Those that have eyes to see and those that are spiritually enlightened will understand what I'm saying. And until... The God, known as Kankenyami, is taken from that. In fact, you can go to the whole Elmina castle and search everywhere with torchlight. You will never find it, except you see it spiritually. The Lord took me there. I saw it some time ago. And where the thing is, spiritual people, seers, the Lord told me 72 seers would have to work. In order to get this God out of the place. 72 years. And one of them, or the leader, must be from Cape Coast. Because it is actually Cape Coast. The destiny of Cape Coast they used to tie the entire nation. 
You matter the matter. If you are in Cape Coast and you are rising to become a great person, they will take you away. So they killed Professor John Evans at Amelos. Anybody in Cape Coast that will try to rise, your destiny will be used to keep the nation down. But may the Lord show us mercy and keep all of us strong. Our time is up. God willing, we are going to meet tomorrow. The Lord bless you all and keep all of you strong. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Keep supporting God's work. The number is 0240 Shalom. Bye-bye.